Hi, and welcome to the 50 Shades of Food and Nutrition podcast, hosted by me, Isa Robinson. I'm a registered associate nutritionist, nutritional therapist, and certified intuitive eating counsellor working in private practice based in London. I believe that the way in which we think and feel about food is just as important as what we put on our plates, and that all foods can fit as part of a healthy and balanced diet. When it comes to our health and nutrition, no one size fits all. This podcast aims to get at all the nuances, the cracks and crannies, and the 50 shades of grey when it comes to what it means to practice authentic well-being, hopefully helping us all to feel a little bit more empowered and at ease about our health. Of course, this podcast is purely for educational purposes and not a substitute for proper medical advice and treatment. Right, let's get to it. Welcome back to the 50 Shades of Food and Nutrition podcast. I am so excited to share another conversation with you all. And this one is with the incredible registered dietitian, Paige Smathers. Paige works in private practice in Salt Lake City, Utah, and her practice, The Positive Nutrition Practice, specializes in helping people develop a positive and sustainable relationship to food. Through individual nutrition therapy, online courses, training for experts, and more, The Positive Nutrition Practice provides sustainable, practical, and positive health and nutrition solutions. Paige is also the host of one of my absolute favorite podcasts, the Nutrition Matters podcast, for five and a half years. And this was one of my absolute favorites to listen to during the lockdowns of 2020. And as I was listening to them, I absolutely knew that I wanted to reach out to Paige to come on this podcast too. So huge thanks to Paige for making this happen and agreeing to come and have this conversation. I absolutely love some of the topics that we got into, um, including gentle nutrition and how diet culture doesn't get to own vegetables, how making peace with all foods is super important, and how actually we can apply some of the principles of intuitive eating to other areas of our lives too, especially perhaps in our work. Paige is such a powerhouse of knowledge and wisdom, and I know you are all going to absolutely love this conversation. Um, So huge thanks to Paige, and let's get to it. Before we get into today's conversation, did you know that a third of all food produced globally is wasted, and that 7.2 million tonnes of fruit and veggies are thrown away each year? Today's sponsor is one of my favorite brands making a big impact, Ruby's in the Rubble. Ruby's was founded by Jenny, who upon moving from London to Scotland to work in finance, began to notice the problem of food waste. Jenny was shocked by the amount of fruit and veg that was rejected because it didn't look perfect. And she began rescuing this produce from New Covent Garden Market and experimenting in the kitchen with childhood recipes. In 2012, Jenny decided to take the idea from side hustle to center stage. And fast forward, Ruby's in the Rubble is one of the pioneering voices in food sustainability with an award-winning range of ketchups, mayos, and relishes stocked nationwide. Ruby's believe that food should be valued as a precious resource. And that's why their products are packed with delicious ingredients that would otherwise have gone to waste. Not because they taste any different, but because they're the wrong shape, size, or color. Ruby's condiments are packed with flavour and packed with purpose. Their ketchups and relishes are made with fresh fruit and veg sourced directly from farms. And they also make a range of vegan mayos made with aquafaba, uh, which is the liquid inside cans of beans that would otherwise have been thrown away. These condiments are also a fantastic way of preserving the produce and extending their their shelf life with vinegars and sugars. My personal favourites are the tomato ketchup, which I love, and the classic apple relish, which is the dream with any kind of cheese board. I also love the relish gift sets as gorgeous presents, um, and I gave away quite a few of those this Christmas. Ruby's have kindly offered listeners 20% off their first orders when using the code 50 shades at the checkout. Don't forget to also check out their Instagram account and shop on their website, rubiesintherubble.com. Thank you, Rubies, for all the work you do and for being a part of this podcast episode. Right, let's get to today's conversation. Hello, 
Paige, and welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm doing I'm doing fine. It's Monday morning, ready for the week. <laughs> yeah, we were just laughing that as we are recording this, I think it's 8 a.m. your time in Salt Lake City, and it's about 4 p.m. here in London. So opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. I'm winding up, you're winding down. <laughs> exactly. And we are also in the last week of December 2020. So also perhaps keeping that in mind as, as we talk. Um, but Paige, it's so exciting to have you on this podcast. Um, I have been a huge fan of your work and your podcast, the Nutrition Matters podcast, which I highly recommend to anyone listening to this. Um, so it's a real um, privilege to get the chance to speak with you today. Before we kind of launch in, um, I would love it if you would like to introduce yourself and maybe say a little bit about some of the other work that you do. Well, thank you for having me and thanks for you know opening up this conversation with me. I love it. I love being guests on other people's podcasts. Um, so my name is Paige Smathers, and I'm a registered dietitian in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I own a group practice here where right now we're just virtual, but normally we have, you know, really beautiful space to meet our clients in, and we just specialize in helping people develop healthy, sustainable, and positive relationships with food. And I love my work. I've always known I wanted to be a dietitian. In fact, I <clears throat> made the choice at around age 13 or 14, which is kind of strange and weird, but I just never changed my mind. And I still love it. And I love the opportunity it gives me to learn and evolve and grow and challenge myself individually. So it's just a really good fit for my sciencey nerdy side and my people side where I just love talking to people, love getting to know people, love supporting people in finding healthier solutions to food and body issues. So that's kind of the gist of me. I just ended my podcast actually after about five and a half years of doing it. And um, it was a big decision, but it's just kind of Felt right and felt like the right time for me as I navigate um, homeschooling two young kids during this pandemic and trying to run a full-time practice and maintaining a full caseload. It's just been a lot. So life is simultaneously busy, but also kind of Groundhog Day, boring. Every day is about the same. So <laughs> it's, it's a bit of everything right now. Uh, um Paige, thank you so much for sharing that. And I just want to say, as somebody that doesn't have kids, I just really take my hat off to any parent out there who is doing the homeschooling and juggling the childcare and the work and all of the other stuff, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I just, I really admire you. Thanks. It's we're, we're getting through. I'm really hoping there's some light at the end of this tunnel, but it seems like it's still a, a ways out at this point. I know, me too. Hold, holding on to, to some hope and also holding space for, um, and, and for anyone listening, for kind of anything that's coming up. I think, you know, you're allowed to feel the full range of, of whatever that might be. And that's certainly something I've been sharing on, on social media and with my clients. Yeah, I, it's something I have to remind myself of too. Yeah, like this is totally normal to feel this way. And how could you not? There's so much going on, so much uncertainty. We're not so good at uncertainty as humans. And so it's just really challenging. And I wish we could at least be together because if we could hold each other and gather and be together during this, it would just make such a difference. But unfortunately, we don't have that tool. So you have to get creative. <laughs> so. mm -hmm. and, and you know, it's so interesting is as you were talking there, I just picked up on some words that came out, uncertainty, connection. Um, and I think it really mirrors um, some of the things, at least I know that I talk about, my, talk about with my clients on quite a regular basis in terms of um, 
those important facets, perhaps managing some level of uncertainty and that connection in kind of a rich and meaningful life and, and healing as well. It's funny how these things crop up in different areas. They do. And that's what actually what I love most about my job. And I'm sure you love about your work too, is you don't, you don't work on your relationship with food and your body in a vacuum. Those skills that you learn there then translate into other areas of life. And it just brings a lot of meaning and purpose to a struggle with food or body because you can really rest assured that once you've learned themes, like, like we were, you were just saying, the theme of like uncertainty, wow, yeah, I've learned that that's tough. Or the theme of connection, I've learned that I need to connect with myself, with others. Um, those same themes tend to be true in other realms and it can feel really empowering to not feel like you need to learn brand new things over and over again um, in different realms of life, but where you start to realize, oh, I can connect what I've learned with food to parenting or to school or to a job or to a relationship or vice versa. It can be just really empowering to realize that you have a lot of skills and tools already. What, what are you good at already and how could you get creative and how this might be relevant in this other realm? Yeah, I think that's so powerful. Paige, it's so interesting that you became a diet, uh, well, not you became a dietitian at 13, 14, but you wanted to, you knew you wanted to become a dietitian from 13, 14. And I would, I'm just really curious really about that, that journey. Cause I know specifically or, or not necessarily, but a lot of people who find intuitive eating perhaps come to moving into dietetics or have that sort of shift from perhaps a, uh, more weight normative approach to a weight inclusive approach later on. And, and it's interesting that that was there right from the beginning with you. If it's all right with you, I'm, I'm curious if you'd be open to sharing a little bit more about that. Yeah, totally. So my mom is a really good cook and I've always, I was the kid who would sit on the counter while she baked or cooked and I would just watch her and I would help and I would taste and it was just a really fun, positive experience with her. And so I've always had an interest in food and I, I was also an athlete. So I was really active. I was interested in the idea that, you know, I noticed that if I would eat, you know, a pretty balanced, satisfying, filling lunch on a game day, I felt a lot more energy during my game than a day where I didn't eat enough or I ate something kind of funky and some just being in my own body and experiencing, you know, food from a enjoyment and a cooking perspective, but also from a performance perspective was just really fascinating to me. And in my 13 year old brain, I think I thought, wow, if I could, everyone says something different about nutrition. I wonder if I could know the truth, you know, capital T truth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what if I studied it and then I would know, and then I, I wouldn't have to kind of feel like, oh, one person saying this, another person saying that, and I would just know the truth. So there was, that was sort of my reasoning. And then when in, in high school, I, we had a career day. I don't know if you guys do that there, but a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, like people from all different fields came in and you took a little test to find out which areas you might be most interested in. And then you went to a little lecture in you know maybe three or four in a day and learn from professionals about their job and one of the people that i went to was a dietitian and she just talked really positively about her job and she talked about how you know it's mostly women and she's a mom and i always knew i wanted to be a mom and i wanted to work and so i was like okay that's already what i thought but now i'm sold and it was interesting because I had always thought, you know, I might change my mind and I'm okay with that, but I'm going to move forward with this kind of in mind and I just never changed my mind. But like you said in your question, um, things did evolve for me. Obviously, I learned that the more you know, the more questions you have rather than the more capital T truth you feel like you have. And I, I'm not like the typical dietitian meaning, you know, a lot kind of 
pretty stereotypically dietitians are pretty type A, pretty numbers oriented, pretty, um, what's the word, kind of really into the details and really wanting to get things just right and kind of perfectionist leaning. That's like not how I am and not how I've ever been. And so I always felt as a new dietitian, I felt like a little bit rogue, like I was supposed to be a little bit more interested in the numbers, a little bit more interested in calories and weight than I really felt like I was interested in for real. And so I've always been a little bit more like, yeah, but so what? And wait, does this really help someone? And does this really matter? I've always asked those kinds of questions as a person and then obviously also as a dietitian. And I would say that the weight inclusive approach was a pretty intuitive thing for me personally. Um, obviously, I I've learned so much as I've actually, you know, dove into that work and that research and really learned from people who live in different bodies than I do, who have different perspectives. So I'm not saying I had it all figured out, but there was a little part of me that was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much I care about meal plans. I don't know how much I care about, you know, calculating calorie needs to the exact number. I, I kind of want, I'm more interested in what's going to help someone, what's going to work, what's going to function well, what's going to feel good. And then when I found intuitive eating and actually read the book, it was interesting. I, I really had this moment of, oh, this is what I've always felt in my heart and soul, but someone has thought of this first. Okay, cool. There's research, there's a book. And so then it sort of opened me up to this whole new world of lots of dietitians aren't as number focused as my schooling and my training and my early work was. And I'm grateful for that, for my early work, but I'm also, it's just been so fun to find this niche of a really good fit for my personality, my temperament, and also I think my skill set. Oh, Paige, thank you so much for sharing that. And you know what's coming up for me really strongly is, is I think something that I've heard on one of your podcast episodes, and um, I hope I've got this right, so please forgive me if I haven't, but I think you spoke with Evelyn and Elise, who are the co-authors of Intuitive Eating. And you were talking a little bit about how that can apply to having your business potentially and how, you know, people might say, you know, there's one way to have a business and like you do this and you do that and here's your marketing plan and here's this. And it can almost be a bit like diet culture in there, like here's the rule book and this is what you do. And you're kind of, falling in your, the ways in which you describe how your personality sets and um, all the curious questions that you had around is, is these meal plans helping people or do we need so much focus on calories? Um, it was almost like this intuitive move away from quite a perhaps prescriptive approach where here's the pathway and you do this, 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 and this to really um, fusing what you know to be true in terms of your skill set with perhaps what you feel um, in terms of that wisdom that you hold inside of you and the approach that feels best for you in, in helping people through their journey to heal their relationship with food or, or in terms of, of gentle nutrition. Yeah, I'm, and I'm still doing that, right? Like, like we were saying earlier, you do this work and you can't help but have it bleed into other areas of life. And I totally agree that running a business, being an entrepreneur is so similar to, um, you know, approaching the world of diet culture for whatever reason. And, and the reason I say that is there's people trying to sell you formulaic plans for how to have a private practice, how to start a podcast, how to, um, you know, work with clients. And while I'm not saying you shouldn't or can't learn from other people, I, I have purchased some of those things throughout the years and just been disappointed. Like, no, that doesn't feel right. I'm not going to market that way. I'm not going to use that language. I'm not going to have that high pressure sales tactic. I'm going to do it my way. And I'm still doing that because I, I, you know, I have to be honest, I find the world of intuitive eating, the, the clinician kind of podcasting influencer space of intuitive eating 
I think a lot of people are doing a lot of really important, amazing work, but, and I also see a lot of the same stuff that we're talking about with diets. Like we're doing that in marketing. We're doing that in the way that we're treating each other. We're doing that in our rigid black and white thinking. And we're doing that in like in July. So it's December now for context, but in July, I just got off Instagram and I was like, I can't be on here right now. I cannot do this. I just don't have the time or energy for it. And I've had so many people be like, what are you thinking? You're going to, it's going to be terrible for your business. Why would you do that? I'm like, I, I don't want to need Instagram and I don't, it's such an ego thing for me to be on there. And it's really cool to feel like I'm interacting with people and part of people's lives. And that's so amazing. And I'm grateful for it. But if that's the only reason I'm on there, like I gotta, I gotta think again, right? This can't just be, I can't just be falling in line and following marching orders because someone at some point said you have to be on Instagram to run a business. And so I'm doing that right now. And it's interesting as I continue to sort of try my best to stay aligned with what my values are and what's important to me and how I want to run a business, meaning how do I feel best? How do I feel most aligned? A lot of times it's not the smartest business decisions. And a lot of times it does, it has felt like, okay, I'm ending my podcast. Okay. I've hopped off Instagram indefinitely. I don't know when I'm getting back on, you know, yes, that might mean people don't hear my voice or see my work or think about me as much as they were before that. But I've had to grapple with like, that's okay. That's okay. And in some, in some ways, I kind of feel like we're part of the problem. It's so noisy. It's so much information. It's so confusing for people online. And I don't know. I, anyway, these are my jumbled thoughts about what you just said of like, I agree that this world, like their diet culture shows up in running a business in, you know, diets, of course, and parenting in all these other ways. And I'm sensitive to formulaic thinking. I'm sensitive to people who try to make it seem like I just need to shut down my brain and do what they tell me to do. I don't do well with that. That's kind of not the way that I'm programmed and not the way that kind of my temperament works. I'm, I need to question. I need to feel authentic. I need to feel like I can look at myself in the mirror and say, yeah, you're doing your best and you're trying your hardest and um, you feel honest and true and good. And that, that's really what I care about. But this, this space of like challenging diets for my clients, but also for me, like running a business and being kind of out there, having my voice, my podcast, my social media stuff out there, like I'm doing the same work kind of just in a different way than they are. Um, it's really fascinating how many, how many similarities there are. Mm. Paige, thank you so, so much for sharing so openly and honestly there about some of the stuff that is coming up for you. And, and I just wanted to say how much I admire you for, I guess, having those really important boundaries there with some of this stuff and, I really love that what you said about having to kind of or not having to but intentionally choosing to take action that aligns with your values in your business um, particularly when perhaps to the outside people are saying oh maybe that's not the smartest business decision um, even that you're intentionally um, taking that action towards your your values nonetheless and I think so much of what you said there really resonated for me, particularly on this feeling like we have to be on social media and we have to be doing this. And I'm sure for many of the listeners, whether they are clinicians, dietitians, therapists, but also perhaps in many, many other careers as well. Um, so it was just really powerful to hear some of your, your kind of thoughts there uh, as they came up and I'm really excited to hear about how this space from the kind of oh, hurricane of, of um, 
over information, I guess, and, and perhaps also this um, kind of prescription for intuitive eating as well, which we know was never how it was intended. And I also think it's hard um, because how intuitive eating might be kind of showing up in Instagram and in captions on Instagram is, is very different to how it might look one-to-one in a client session. And it's all about what's out there versus what's in the room. But I think there's some real power perhaps in, in turning down that or turning off that app and thinking about where we'd like to put our energies or, or what feels like it resonates for us and connects with our own truth. Yeah. Yeah, really well said. I agree. I think um, it, it like when I first started my private practice, I, most of the conversations I was having with my clients were things like, hey, it's, you can eat some ice cream. You can enjoy a cookie. Like it, it, nutrition doesn't need to be so complicated. You don't need to be, you know, 100% one way like quote unquote perfect with your eating like we you need to be able to have pleasurable enjoyable experiences with food yada yada fast forward to now when so many of my clients are super invested and engaged on online and instagram and podcasts and all that and they're like okay i want to learn how to become an intuitive eater um what I've noticed is my conversation, my conversations have shifted where I'm, I'm saying, wait, no, it's okay to eat some vegetables. Like you don't need to, <laughs> you don't need to feel like if you're eating vegetables, you're automatically dieting or you're automatically failing at intuitive eating. I just feel like people are so confused who are online all the time. Like it's almost like they feel like we're just, we're missing the point, right? Like, and this is why I, I talk about nuance all the time. This is both incredibly important for me as like personally, as a, as a human, but also professionally is we have to talk about nuanced things. We cannot just say sweeping statements like eat more vegetables because some people are eating too many vegetables and some people could stand to eat more vegetables, but we don't know who we're talking to. So we have to explain, what do you mean? How do you know if you're getting enough? What does that look like? What does that feel like? Um, we, we can't just say sweeping statements like, eat a cupcake. Like, well, well, why? And what does that look like? And what do you mean? And, you know, what's the point? And what's the, what's the nitty gritty, like, gray space with all of this? It's just, it's so lost online. And it's actually, it's better on podcasts, which is why I really like podcasts. But there's also an element of these topics are so individualized and so nuanced that, you know, what I might say to one person who, that would be like really helpful and impactful for them might actually be really triggering for another person. And that's not me being, you know, having like a, what's the word, like double speak, right? Where I'm saying yeah. one thing, but I mean another. It's like, no, this, there, there isn't just one way to explain this that's going to work and resonate for everyone. That's why this work really is slow. It's individualized. It's messy. It's nuanced. But when it's all just online and when you're like trying to gather your, your knowledge and your information about intuitive eating or healing your relationship with food online, you're going to wind up really confused. And it's part of why I kind of sit back and say, okay, am I helping or am I harming by being part of this noise? And at, at one point I just had to say, you know what, I'm going to take a break <laughs> because I don't know the answer to that and I'm just going to leave it for now. Yeah. So, so much that I, I, I resonate with to that. And I think it's really challenging gauging that, um, social media space in in communicating the intuitive eating message and i know um again just going back to something evelyn says she said that when she first joined instagram and she went on and she said all she saw were pictures of cupcakes and donuts and she thought what's going on with with intuitive eating and and actually cupcakes and donuts 
on there really speak to this really powerful principle that we know about, which is, is making peace with food. And when diet culture has um, kind of taken away our permission to nourish our bodies from a place of pleasure, of kindness, of joy, um, and demonize certain foods, and, and we can use wellness culture um, as a culprit of that too, this is such a, a powerful part of, of intuitive eating. And yet, it is 10 principles and those principles are extremely nuanced. Um, one that comes up obviously for me is like thinking about hunger and fullness as such powerful principles. And then also thinking, well, also you can eat when you're not hungry and we will as humans eat past the point of comfortable fullness and there's taste hunger and there's practical hunger and then how that fits in for somebody potentially with a history of food insecurity and how that might impact their ability to act on hunger. And, you know, again, and so there's so much that goes on and I guess what it really comes down to is, is working with, with the individual. And I always like to say to, to my clients, you know, you're the expert, of your own body you're the expert of you and and even when um they have an eating disorder history and we might speak about how that can be skewed but ultimately um they're the boss of, of their own body and it's really working with their experiences and their circumstances which exactly as you said i might be eating a donut with one of my clients in one session um and thinking about more gentle nutrition and adding in fiber for potentially constipation or something like that one hour later um and so really thinking about the nuance and i don't know what you think about this and i know we're going off in so many tangents but i think this is a really important conversation is is spreading that on social media and certainly from where i sit i have gone through being a wellness blogger that's initially how i um kind of fell into nutrition off the back of a really challenging relationship with food myself and so way back in 2013, I was posting green smoothies and yoga. Um, there's nothing wrong with those things again, and there's the nuance. Um, and as I've evolved into where I am now in terms of supporting clients with um, disordered eating, heal their relationship to food, mind and body um, through intuitive eating, uh, I've would definitely say that I would be posting a different kind of content. Um, and I'm quite mindful of posting things like movement or um, just that, I guess, in just wanting to hold the most vulnerable person in mind. And I guess that really comes back to, I guess, social media just being a snapshot of reality as captured by whoever wants to show a certain thing rather than reality as a whole and where in one sense that might be helpful in protecting the most vulnerable person that might be consuming that message and at the same time might be dilute, diluting um, the nuance in, in terms of intuitive eating. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Well, I agree. And I have a few thoughts. One is, I think we give people too much power. And I think we need to, you know, a big part of intuitive eating is realizing that we've given our power to choose what to eat and how much and when and why to a diet. And reclaiming your own authority around food, I think is a huge, super empowering step to take. But I think we do the same thing on social media. We, so in other words, I think the consumers of social media need to take back their power, meaning don't give someone, some anonymous person that you don't really know the power to, um, you know, halt your recovery or and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to blame the victim here because there is some really irresponsible stuff that happens online. But I guess what I'm trying to say is you have to be, you have to look at social media through the lens of your own values, your own heart and soul, your own sense of what's right for you. And don't give someone who you don't know the, like too much power in that equation. Like 
it's always you are the expert of you you are you know and you and your team potentially who whoever you might be working with individually don't listen to some person online more than you're listening to your one-on-one -on -one therapist or dietitian or physician or whatever i think like i think we just need to kind of feel more comfortable taking what works online and leaving what doesn't because there is no one right way to explain this stuff. It is challenging to try to explain it. It is super nuanced. And I think, I think the consumers of this need to recognize they're the expert of their own body, not some person behind a phone, whether that's someone with good intentions, whether that's someone with bad intentions, I think, I think the idea needs to be the same. My other thought, if I can just add it, is Please. you mentioned how Evelyn Tripoli was talking about coming on social media and seeing cupcakes and donuts and how that speaks to that principle of making peace with food. And here's, here's my opinion about this. I think we love that side of making peace with food. And that is so important, so empowering, and so reasonable, right? Like it makes sense. The things that I didn't let myself eat for years and years potentially or whatever, I need to rework those into my eating and I need to make peace with them. Yes, 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 yes. I love it. And that's so fun and so important. But I think we often don't, you know, take it much further than that. Making peace with food also means making peace with all food, like the food that you deemed bad or wrong, but also the food that you deemed, you know, above reproach and a superfood and, and like these foods that you thought were, you know, going to save your life or whatever your beliefs were about them, you know, also making peace with raspberries and Brussels sprouts. And by making peace with those, what I mean is neutralizing them, right? Like they're not, they're not going to save you. They're not going to do anything magical to your body, but, and they're great to incorporate into an overall, you know, satisfying, yummy, tasty, balanced, reasonable eating pattern. So I think, but that one's hard to explain on social media, right? Like that, if I were to show a plate of fruits or vegetables, I mean, I could probably do okay explaining it, but there would be someone who would be triggered and offended. Like, how dare you, you know, talk about vegetables that triggers me. And it's like, okay. But for me, what I've had to do is I've had to really stay true to like, what is my job? And what is my, like, what am I supposed to be doing with people? And it's my job. My mission statement is to help people have happier, healthier, more positive relationships with food in their body. And I wouldn't be doing my job if I weren't talking about fruits and vegetables sometimes. And that's not to say that that's the only thing that you should eat. Absolutely not. But, and like at some point in the process with intuitive eating, I think it's important to not look at broccoli and think, oh my gosh, if I eat that, I'm going to be dieting. So I'm scared of it. I don't know how to interact with it. I, I, it's intimidating or it feels scary. So I'm just not going to touch it. You know, there's a time and a place for that, but I think eventually in the process after some healing has been done, I think making peace with food also means making peace with things that you thought were quote unquote good and really just saying, no, they're all, that's just food too. Just like a cupcake is just food. Broccoli's just food. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I'm just so, so grateful that you, you raised it. And I think it's such, um, such an important part. And again, it was just making my head spin over, over all of the, the nuances of, of make peace with food. And, um, even thinking about how, um, I've had a recent experience with a client where, um, I made peace with, with a certain food and I'm just being careful about how much I, I divulge. But over time, she has found that food just really wasn't as exciting as, you know, 
the, the crack that she described it as before. And what's been so interesting in, in that experience is, is almost, uh, and I think it can come up with a lot of people almost feeling a bit sad, but um, kind of coming to terms with that or, or making peace with, with that and knowing that it's there, maybe it's not the most favorite thing anymore, but, but really, yeah, thinking about these foods. And, and I think there can be a lot of charge bound up with foods that perhaps are, were associated with dieting or um, exactly as you spoke about, were these kind of healing, you know, will cure you of all your problem foods. Um, and making peace with food is exactly as you said, all foods, um, because it's about the neutralizing uh, versus the just changing any kind of pecking order, um, which is what diet culture intended, the good foods and bad foods. Um, and then it's also about thinking about those intentions, like in the service of what, in the service of what um, may I make peace with a donut, in the service of what may I make peace with broccoli. Okay, well, it's in the service of having a healthy, happy relationship with food that encompasses pleasure, joy, social connection, and perhaps also that gentle nutrition component as well, which we know sits at the end of, of intuitive eating. And you know what's so interesting as well, which is, is coming up for me, and, and I don't know if this happens with you, but I feel as though with my clients, they often in, um, intuitively come to that place themselves where perhaps they suddenly bring that they're feeling a bit confused and like, are they allowed to have some salad or are they allowed to, to order a salad? And um, I guess that again is going to be so much nuance just because that might be what's being brought to session. Doesn't mean we just leave that there and say, yes, we might explore that more and, um, you know, decode the language and peel back the layer and see what's underneath that and the why and the how that might feel and the is there any resistance coming up or fear or excitement and, and really kind of play that over for the individual to, to see what's underneath that. But absolutely, it is just as much making peace with some of those, um, you know, maybe they're more objectively nutritious foods, maybe they're just other foods that we had a different relationship with when we were surrounded by diet culture, but it's a very important part of the intuitive eating process. Absolutely, I agree. Paige, I would just love, and, and um, if it's all right with you, just to um, ask you a little bit about your, and, and I think it links to this really nicely, but you spoke about on your website and things and as part of your practice that you have a positive nutrition approach. And I just really love to hear from you, I guess, uh, what you mean by a positive nutrition approach um, in terms of your, your work. Oh, thanks for asking. So I don't mean toxic positivity, right? Because you're allowed to feel however you feel and life is messy and it's not always happy, happy. So it's not that. But this idea came to me um, a couple years ago. I was I was reading a lot about positive psychology, actually. And um, I, I loved the concept of studying what goes well for people when like they're not just studying people who are sick or people who are suffering, but what, what are the components, what are the themes for people who are functioning well and feeling fulfilled and living full, vibrant, happy lives, which you know is some of what positive psychology looks at. And I thought, gosh, I wish there was something like that with nutrition because the, anyway, I think, I think people can understand why that matters. I mean, a lot of times what we're trying to do is we're just trying to fix this or, or um, solve that or you know, defy death by being, you know, having five more years of longevity or whatever we, we say, we meaning, you know, people in diet culture or in the research world sometimes with this stuff. And I was like, why, why aren't there people talking about like 
what goes well? What are the components of people who have healthy, happy relationships with food? And yes, that's what intuitive eating is. But for me, there was something about this word intuitive eating. I had someone say, oh, I, I, at first when you said you did intuitive eating, I thought you were like a um, psychic. Like I thought you were like in, I guess the word intuitive sometimes is in the metaphysical, like psychic world. I was like, oh yeah, no, that's. <laughs> so I've, I've gotten feedback through the years that the term intuitive eating isn't always easy to comprehend, but I thought, you know what? Positive nutrition makes sense. People, people understand and grasp like, no, this is, this is an approach that's, it's not going to make you feel like like you're clueless or you're dumb or you're wrong or you're bad or develop a more negative relationship with food. And so, you know, it's not fully fleshed out. It's kind of a, it's, I would have to sit down and honestly, like maybe hammer out like a book sized manifesto <laughs> on what that, what it means to me, because there's a lot to it. But the basic concept is like, it doesn't, Feeding yourself doesn't need to be so challenging. You don't need to be at war with yourself. There are ways to approach food and your body that can be health promoting and positive and sustainable and realistic and fun and pleasurable that it doesn't need to be kind of what most people think health looks like. It's, it's not that, it's this thing, positive nutrition. So I don't know if that helps to kind of define it, but that's, that's the philosophy. It's definitely, um, you know, I feel like, like I said, I feel like I could write a ton about it if I was ever given the opportunity to, but it's, um, it's really meaningful to me and it encapsulates what I do, I think better than any other term because I, I struggle with, I love intuitive eating. I love Evelyn Triboli and Elise Rush's work. Um, there's so much dogma around intuitive eating right now that's that's hard for me and i'm i'm not necessarily trying to say like oh i'm i'm so different and i have this whole different approach it's very much similar but for me i just i like that term because i think it's a bit more digestible for people um who who have never heard of this stuff before and i actually do really think of myself as a true dietitian. Like I am working with people on their nutrition. I'm not just, um, again, and I'm not saying other people are doing this, but sometimes this is how it feels to people who are just online. Like, I'm not just saying eat a cupcake and, and you know, that's it. That's all we got. Like, I know I'm really trying to get into the nitty gritty of how can you feed yourself in a way that promotes your health and well-being, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, that is what I'm trying to do with people. And I, that term just makes a lot of sense to me and to the people that I work with. Thank you so, so much for sharing that. And um, I can really feel your, your passion um, for, for this area of, of nutrition, but, and, and also how much this kind of positive nutrition approach um, it, it is really important to you. And, and I also resonate with, and also hold in mind that I am so, so grateful for the contribution and the birth, I guess, of, of intuitive eating by um, Evelyn and Elise and how it has definitely changed my life personally, professionally. And at the same time, I think when we just bash around this term intuitive eating, um, it gets so misconstrued, um, you know, individuals might just think, oh, I can just pick it up from one day to the next. Oh, let's just eat what you want, when you want, whenever you want. And it, it is that, and it's so, so much more. And you can't just have that bit without all the other right. stuff, so to speak, and that um, deep exploration into some of the things that you were talking about, like what sounds good, what feels good, what is going to nourish not just physical health, but mental health, social health, emotional health, spiritual health. Um, and that's so unique for for each and, and every person and certainly some of the terms that I feel can resonate with individuals a little bit more if they are new to intuitive eating or thinking about it a bit like this 
positive nutrition approach that feels like it really has your um, stamp on it, Pedro, comes from you in terms of, again, coming back to what feels authentic um, for us as individual clinicians is kind of that gentle nutrition approach or um, things like authentic health. Uh, which is that blending of anyone that hasn't heard that term before, um, kind of some of that objective nutrition information with what we know to be true in terms of ourselves and our bodies and our experience and what feels good for us. And I really, really like those terms and also how they kind of cut through this sense of being told what to do and extreme nutrition and rigid nutrition and obsessions with the nutrition and health biohacking that um i don't know what your experience of this is like but for me kind of rings alarm bells well so as you were talking what i was thinking was in the intuitive eating space we act like talking about nutrition is so scary and so like everyone says oh that has to be the last step that's the last thing and i agree in a lot of cases that needs to completely just like be out of the picture for a while because there's so much healing that needs to be done in recognizing what diet culture is in rejecting that in making peace with food and connecting with your body and all that stuff and so on the one hand i agree but on the other hand i think in in a lot of cases nutrition like being armed with knowledge about nutrition knowing what carbohydrate does in the body and why like why we need protein and what fat is all about and um what your needs really look like and how you meet those needs on a practical level and how you shop and cook and prepare and connect with your body like that practical side of feeding yourself we act like it's so scary and it has to, you know, no one can talk about it. Oh, we're going to trigger everyone. And I just kind of think in a lot of cases, it's really empowering and really helpful and it doesn't need to be so scary. And so that's the other angle. That's the other reason that I kind of want to reclaim the nutrition side of things is, you know, I, I take it case by case and it depends on the person. And definitely, like I said, there are cases where talking about that stuff right away is not appropriate. And I, I fully acknowledge that. But there are a lot of situations where, you know, I'll, I'll explain metabolism to someone and say, hey, like, this is why you need what you need. And this is what this looks like. And here's how you can be flexible with that. And here's how you can get that in and feel good and know by checking in with your body that you've met your needs and that you've had that you've gotten enough or that you haven't gotten enough these conversations to me are really like why i'm a dietitian i you know i love the like more foundational mindfulness and self-compassion and challenging diet culture work i do i love that stuff but i also really love kind of getting like talking about nutrition and being like yeah like that's as hard as it needs to be. Everything's okay. This is all you need to really know. Um, that That's fun for me. And so part of me doesn't super resonate with the intuitive eating space of like everyone, like all the dietitians I know in this space, most of them don't ever talk about nutrition. They, they act as if that is like super taboo of a topic. And I'm kind of like, well, let's dive in. It's nuanced, but like, let's talk about it. And I think, I think it's important to do that. At least for me, it feels important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I really, um, appreciate your, your perspective there. And I, I definitely know in, in my clinical work, I love empowering, um, my clients with that kind of information and particularly fusing it, I guess it, it kind of links back full circle with what you were saying at the beginning when you kind of wanted to learn, about nutrition to have the truth. Um, and, and then you were saying the more, the more you learn, the more questions you have. And it's really about thinking, okay, well, what, what do we have as kind of, I don't know, aspects of truth? Okay, carbohydrates, they're really important. They're a fuel for your brain, they're a fuel for your body. Um, they help with serotonin production. And all of these kind of empowering nuggets that can help us to feel more relaxed that can help us to feel more empowered more um 
comfortable with um, eating, with nourishing our, our mind, bodies, and souls, I think that is is amazing and, and a real gift um, as a nutrition professional to be able to share. I think where I draw some kind of line, and again, this is going to be nuanced, right? Because um, you know, I might say, okay, well, draw the line with a keto diet because it's restrictive and X, Y, and Z. But if I was working, which I, I, I never would be because this isn't my area of expertise, but just hypothetically with a child with epilepsy, well, then that's exactly perhaps something that we might be considering and, and talking about with. So I just think it's almost like nutri nutrition is so, is so nuanced, is so gray that social media is always going to be a weird container or, or um, medium in which to to show that to the world because ultimately it, it is so individual and we can also have the knowledge from kind of studying the science of nutrition but we don't have the expertise of the client and what they know to be true for, for their body and their experience and their, their context and their circumstances. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know if I have like the punchy um, end to that sentence, but I guess that's, that's my ramblings. Yeah, I agree. There, there are lines for sure. And I hope that I'm not making it sound like I'm trying to do anything that I'm not trying to do. I guess where my personality, something to understand about me is I've always been, um, so I'm the child of divorced parents. So I've always been someone who ever like sees that things can be done in lots of different ways, right? My dad loaded the dishwasher this way at my dad's house and my mom loaded the dishwasher this way at her house, for example. I mean, multiply that times a million and that, that was my experience growing up, right? Like there's more than one way to do things. There's um, more than one way to live your life. There's more than one way to accomplish the same task. And I've, for that reason, plus a lot of others that, that conspired in my life, I am someone who kind of tries to see, well, is there, is there another way? And does this make sense? And is this where I want to land? Like, I'm always asking those types of questions. So I guess I can't not do that in the intuitive eating space too. Like that's, so when I see this very, very formulaic, very almost like, echo chambery. This is how we talk about this. This is how it's done. This is how we all signal internally to each other that I know how to talk about this and I'm part of the, the in, in crowd and I'm part of the crew. I see that going on and I'm like, mm -mm, I don't like that. No, even if they're, even if you're right, like just the fact that that's happening as a dynamic is weird to me because we, we are, we run the risk of trying to impress each other so much on social media, all the clinicians that we're leaving our clients and the people who need our help in the dust. And I'm sensitive to that. And so I'm constantly like thinking about the person who's new to this, the person who's really in diet culture. I'm trying to build a bridge. I'm not trying to talk about 20 steps from now. I'm trying to talk about, Hey, there's a way to approach food and nutrition that doesn't need to feel so punitive and that can feel really empowering and, pleasurable and enjoyable and also health promoting. It's important to me to be that voice because I, I, I perceive so much of the online conversations really feel like they're more for each other as clinicians than they are for the actual person who's struggling. And that to me, I, I reject that outright. Like I'm not good with that. And that's part of why I'm like taking a step back. Yeah. I just, yeah, I have, I think there's, there's um, so many um, important things in that and, and so many that have have kind of landed in different spaces with me that I'm, I'm definitely going to take away and, and reflect on. And I guess what I perhaps love most that I've taken from this conversation is that we really get to be or to, to self-author ourselves in terms of how we would like to approach these different areas of, of nourishing our bodies, of, of running a business, um, of practicing intuitive eating. 
And I also really loved what you said in there about choices and options and is there another way to do this or asking questions um, and really having that curious and, and non-judgmental mindset in the ways in which we might approach different things in our lives as well. Well, thank you. That's really well said. And I can tell that you are such a fabulous help to your clients. Like you're good at what you do. I can hear that and how you talk about this too. So thank you for sharing your thoughts and um, your perspectives. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Paige, I honestly could talk to you um, for so long about some of these things, particularly clinician to clinician, human to human, um, about some of the, the topics we've raised. But um, thank you so, so much for, for sharing some of your important insights. And I really uh, loved your, your take and on what you have created in terms of this positive nutrition approach. And I, I think there is hopefully a lot that listeners might be able to take from that in again being the the author of, of what perhaps a positive nutritional approach means for them and creating options and choices around food and the way in which that might slot into to their lives. I am just curious if perhaps there um, are any last kind of pearls of wisdom that you might like to leave or, or tips for anyone beginning perhaps a more gentle approach to nutrition or um, thinking about starting intuitive eating? Yeah, well, thank you for all of that. And thank you for having me again. Um, my last kind of few thoughts would be, I really believe that you have, you meaning us humans, people listening, we have what it takes to have a healthy, happy, positive relationship with food and, you know, experiment non-judgmentally and with curiosity in lots of different variables, so sort of scientifically, like what, what feels good? What gives me energy? What, how do I function? Like pay attention to how you feel in your body because that you're, you have been given this body and it, can guide you in this process. And obviously you can work with someone like, like me or you, but you know, they're like, you have what it takes. You do not need a guru. You just need to slow mm -hmm. down, pay attention, pause, ask lots of questions, kind of experiment, expect some messiness. This is not a clean, easy linear process this is messy but it's super worth it and you don't have to live life from diet to diet you don't have to live in this place of constantly putting yourself down or yelling at yourself in your own head when it comes to food and body there's there's hope for something better and you have what it takes and yes you might need some help but just know that you know as you give it time and as you really practice curiosity with yourself and experimentation, you're going to figure out what feels good. And my, my one tip in that process would be see if you can try to not make it about changing your body and try to make it about the way that you feel and your energy levels and the way that you function and try to make any hopes or wishes of changing your body. Try so, so hard. I know it's challenging, but try to put that on the back burner and just really focus in on function and the way that you feel and energy levels and you'll get there and you have what it takes to do this. And like, it doesn't need to be so scary and so hard and so much in your life. There's hope for having energy and time and brain space for the things that matter most to you. And that to me is why I do what I do is to help people reclaim time and energy for the things that matter food being one of them, but food not being, you know, worthy of 90% of your brain space. So you have what it takes. It's going to be messy, but you can do it. I just think that's the most powerful note to end on. Thank you again for that. I, I have goosebumps this end and I feel very aligned with everything you said in, in, um, 
fueling the work that I, I do as well. And, and I just think you, you put that in such a beautiful way. Paige, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah, my website is positive-nutrition.com. And um, there you can find um, my social media. I'm kind of not really doing that right now. I might hop back on. I needed to wait till the end of the election. <laughs> but, um, we'll see. We'll see if I'm back on. But when I am on, on Instagram, my handle there is Paige Smathers RD. And I am wondering if when I get back on, I'm going to keep it a little lighter. Maybe I'll post more about the things I love, which, you know, obviously I love food. We've talked about that for a long time, but I also love my plants. I love to knit. That's kind of a funny little thing about me. And I've been making some really fun things. I made two sweaters this winter already, which has been fun. Yeah, and um, maybe just like my little kitty I just got, you know, I might I might keep it a bit lighter because it's, as we've talked about for a long time, it's a little intense on there sometimes. But yeah, you can find me on Instagram and then I'm also on Facebook when I'm, when I'm doing social media. Yeah, and I, and I love that, that you are cultivating the options and choices on doing social media and not in a nice gray space when and how it feels good for you. Um, Paige, thank you so, so much again for this conversation. Um, I know that I have taken so much from it. And as somebody that has been a very um, frequent listener to your podcast, um, it um, is a real privilege to have had the chance to speak with you and hear um, your wisdom on some really um, complex and messy areas. So um, I'm so grateful and I really appreciate it. And um, hopefully we'll be able to get you back on here at some point as well. Um, because yeah, this has just been such a great conversation. Thank you. You too. And good luck with your podcast. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Sweet to you soon. Bye. 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 That was Paige Smathers on all things positive nutrition and why diet culture doesn't get to own vegetables. Huge thanks again to Paige for coming on the podcast. And I highly recommend you go check Paige out over on Instagram, the Nutrition Matters podcast, and also on her website, Positive Nutrition. Also, a massive thank you again to our incredible sponsors, Rubies in the Rubble. If you are still on the fence, remember you can get 20% off your first order using the discount code 50SHADES. All right, everyone, I will be back next week with another episode of the 50 Shades of Food and Nutrition podcast. Until then, have a great week and speak soon. Bye.